0: We all know what it feels like after a bad night's sleep. Whether it's after a late night working to a deadline or from being awoken abruptly during the night, the feeling is pretty crappy. You're tired, sluggish, and it's hard to concentrate. Many of us rely on coffee to struggle through and soldier on either ignoring or covering up the dark circles under our eyes. But lack of sleep can have lasting effects on the mind and body. And sleep deprivation is a real concern, particularly for new parents. What happens if you chronically aren't getting enough shut-eye? In this episode of A Grey Matter, we speak with Dr Leonie Kersenblatt, who knows about sleep deprivation a little better than most. She's a young mum and a neuroscientist who specialises in sleep and
1: attention in
0: the Van Swinderen Lab at UQ's Queensland Brain Institute.
1: Even though it looks like you're kind of switching off when you go to sleep, your brains are actually pretty active. Uh, So you normally cycle through different stages of sleep, uh, starting off with what we call slow wave sleep, where you have these kind of slow um, rhythmic activity in your brain. And then you kind of cycle through to more rapid eye movement sleep, which is REM sleep associated with dreams. So can you talk us through the effects
0: of having a bad night's sleep or of sleep deprivation, even just one night's bad sleep?
1: If you've had a one night's bad sleep, you'll yeah generally feel that kind of tired, fuzzy feeling in your head. You might not be able to focus as well. Also, we know from studies that your reaction times are gonna be slower, that your brain is generally processing everything in in slow motion. We also know that if you've had a really bad night's sleep, like if you've, you've been, um, you haven't you've been slept much at all, your brain will actually force itself to go to sleep in what is known as a micro-sleep, where your brain just shuts itself down and you become unconscious for a few seconds.
0: So how common are these micro-sleeps in people? I mean, I guess it's very dangerous for someone who's driving as part of their job or even during
1: the day. Yeah, they, they actually happen all the time and because people are not aware of it, It can be really dangerous if you're driving or if you're at work um, operating heavy machinery, for example. The leading cause of car accidents is when people um, fall asleep at the wheel. And it's just those few milliseconds Mm. that can make that
0: difference. Exactly. So I've previously read about some people who, for either you know, to set a world record or for publicity, have gone extended periods without sleep, and they exhibit some really interesting symptoms.
1: Can you tell us about those symptoms? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, the, the Guinness Book of World Records stopped recording the longest times um, people would stay awake because they're so worried about the effects on people's health. Wow. Oh. Um, so, but the the longest record is actually held. By um, a teenager called Randy Gartner in the 1960s, when he stayed awake for 11 or just over 11 days. Straight and he, they monitored him, you know, throughout this period and saw some really interesting effects. So after several days, he became paranoid, started hallucinating. They did several tests on him. For example, they got him to, to try and count back from a hundred in sevens, and during the test, he actually s- had to stop and say, "Sorry, what what was I doing again?" Because he actually completely forgot what they'd asked him to do. So this just shows um, how important sleep is for the brain and for memory. I guess that leads into a discussion about the long-term effects of chronic sleep
0: deprivation. Having one night's bad sleep is one thing, but having it consistently, as you probably well know, is another. Can you talk us through what happens in, in the brain when we're deprived of sleep over a long period of time? that's actually it's
1: quite difficult to study that in humans obviously because you can't force someone or ask someone to chronically just deprive themselves but in in lab in the lab in animals for example in lab rats they actually will die after 2 weeks of sleep deprivation so it's actually critical for life and we know at least in humans, there are a lot of people with insomnia, chronic insomnia problems. We know that people with brain disorders like Alzheimer's and dementia often have these chronic sleep disturbances. So there is that link there with being chronically sleep deprived and also having um, sort of cognitive or, or brain disorders. Can you talk in more detail about this link between dementia and sleep deprivation? There is a known link between um, dementia and, and um, having sleep disturbances. So um, people that um, are more likely to develop Alzheimer's and dementia often have problems with sleep. And we don't actually know what is what comes first, like do people have sleep disturbances and that leads leads on to dementia, or do people have problems sleeping because they have dementia? So that link needs to be further studied. And I think there's some there's some research going on here at the QBI um, in Lizzie Coulson's lab that is looking further into that. We also know that from some basic research studies that there that sleep is important for flushing out toxins in the brain that might be linked to these neurodegenerative disorders. There was a study done recently in rats where it was found that during sleep. Um, proteins such as beta amyloid which is associated with Alzheimer's are actually flushed out of the brain and these proteins accumulate during the day so it's thought that perhaps sleep one really important function of sleep is to actually um, flush out these toxins that aggregate during the day. So how well are you sleeping? (laughs) Not very well at the moment. So I have two young children, an eight-month-old and a -a two-and-a-half-year-old. So I'm awoken multiple times in the night. And this has just become normal. So I, you know, learnt to deal with sleep deprivation every day. And you kind of learn to function after a while, but you definitely notice the effects. How many hours of sleep would you say you're getting a night? Uh, So probably about... four four to five hours sleep a night and it's generally broken up yeah.
0: You look pretty fresh for someone who hasn't (laughs) had much sleep though I must admit. (laughs) Thank you (laughs) I don't feel too good but yeah. (laughs) How does bedtime work in your household and
1: are there things that you've put in place to help yourself get a better night's sleep? So what I really should do um, every night is go to bed at the same time that my children go to sleep but there's just I think you know with modern technology and just you know there's so many things to do after they go to bed that I don't do that um, what time are they sleeping are uh, they normally go to bed together at eight o'clock okay yeah. and when are they waking you up by well the the younger one wakes me up about every three hours um, so for breastfeeding basically um, that's that's just inevitable in babies they just and also the other thing about babies is that they Have a much shorter sleep cycle than us, so we our sleep cycles are actually ninety minutes long. We'll go through the different stages of sleep, you know, slow wave, REM, etc., and then we'll kind of go through this light period of sleep in between. Babies' sleep cycles are between twenty and fifty minutes long, and so basically it means that their sleep schedule is completely different to their parent's sleep schedule, and that's why you end up um, waking up at weird times. Why do kids have a different sleep cycle to adults? That's a really good question. I don't actually know why they have a shorter sleep cycle, but um, I know they have a lot more, for example, REM sleep. Babies have an incredible amount of REM sleep. And even in the womb, they're have their sleeping and having REM sleep. So this, um, this might be because it's important for brain development because their brains are developing so much. And as you um, get older, you have more slow-wave sleep, um, as particularly as a teenager so but we really still don't know much about why we have these different types of sleep at different life stages.
0: Does it have anything to do with learning and consolidating memories?
1: Well yeah um, babies need to sleep so much because they're learning so much so you know babies are constantly exposed to novel situations and you know um, having to learn you know so much in the early years of their life that that's probably why they have to sleep so much. Have you noticed sleep deprivation getting to you? Yeah, sometimes when I'm talking to my colleagues, you know, um, I find myself kind of switching off and, and not actually registering what we've been talking about. Or if someone asks me a question, I, I notice that I have to ask them to say it again, to ask it again a lot of times. And maybe that's because I'm having a microsleep. Have you been driving much? I haven't but the other night I was um driving just after dinner home with my partner and um I after about 10 minutes of driving I had to pull over because I just I could actually feel myself nodding off like at the wheel so um yeah it it feels really dangerous and and the thing is about drowsy driving is it's just as bad as drink driving so you know they found that just one night of being sleep deprived actually makes um, gives you, it's as, just as bad as having a blood alcohol limit of 0.05. Is it possible to catch up on lost
0: sleep? So say, for, for example, if I don't get enough sleep during the week, if I have a really long sleep on the weekend, does that make up for the lack of sleep during the week? Is that possible?
1: I I think that it's probably better to try and get regular sleep. I think research shows that having a regular sleep routine is is much more healthy than you know, having been getting sleep deprived and then trying to catch up on the weekend. And if you think about it, you know, it's if you're learning stuff during the day and you want to consolidate those memories, it's probably a lot better to consolidate them the night you learn them rather than like, you know, on the weekend when it's, you know, several days away.
0: Is there anything you can do during the day if you're sleep deprived? Do naps help?
1: Yeah, naps actually do have been shown to help. So, um, it's, yeah, if you have a nap after you've learned something, you're more likely to consolidate a memory.
0: Do you have any words of advice for new parents out there who
1: are struggling to sleep? Yeah, well, I would just, uh, I know it's really hard as as a parent, just know that it's not going to last forever. Um, but um, another thing I would say is to be less anxious because, try. you know, try not to worry about it as much. So because worry just makes makes it more difficult to sleep. Um, another thing I would suggest is that uh, for new parents is, you know, if I think it's important that at least one of one person, one of the parents is getting enough sleep. So often what happens is that, you know, a fa- the father might wake up, you know, when the mother wakes up to feed the baby at night. And that is just, you know, pointless for both people to wake up because sleep deprivation makes you really irritable and I think if, <laughs> if both of you are irritable it's, it's more likely to you know lead to arguments and you know being generally unhappy so it's important for at least one person to get good sleep. How does your own experiences of sleep deprivation relate to your research? So it, it kind of makes me more interested in my research really because I'm constantly thinking well why am I feeling like this and what's actually happening in my brain and why is sleep so important? So yeah, it it makes me actually more interested in doing my research. What are you studying at the moment? I'm looking at how sleep affects attention and I'm using fruit flies as a model organism. So fruit flies sleep and they also pay attention. The great thing about them is that you can probe the brain of a fruit fly in in a much more invasive way and, and um, compared to humans. And you can understand what is actually going on at the level of the connections in the brain, the, the synapses. How much do fruit flies sleep? They sleep every night, just like us. And they also have a siesta during the day. Oh, that, that sounds all right. <laughs> How do you measure sleep in a fly? There are a certain um, number of what we call sleep criteria, so a way of determining whether an animal is actually asleep. So firstly, it has to be quiescent, basically immobile, not moving. Uh, it has to be, um, you know, have increased arousal threshold. So when you're, as- when you're asleep, you're much less easy- easily aroused. Like if someone says your name when you're asleep, you might not respond. And so we can test that in flies as well. Um, and when you're asleep, you also have changes in brain activity. We see the the fly's brain activity changes when it's asleep. So there are several different ways you can measure uh, or determine whether flies asleep. And what insights has
0: your research led to with regards to attention?
1: I see that when flies are sleep deprived, they have worse attention, so they are more distractible. And currently, I'm looking at a particular region of the brain that we think is really crucial for attention, and and looking for changes in the connectivity of that brain region that was Dr Leonie
0: Blatt on the effects of sleep deprivation if you'd like to find out more about sleep research here at UQ please visit qbi.uq.edu.au that's all for this episode I'm Donna Lu our podcast is produced by Jessica McGore if you enjoyed this episode let us know on Twitter or Facebook tell your friends about it or you can give us a review on iTunes which helps other people find the podcast too thanks for listening